Welcome to the Knowing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bachman, and I am a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we read and unpack the Bible together with the goal of knowing Jesus better. Go figure. Today, we will be reading all of John chapter 3, which is verses 1 through 36. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon, near Salem, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth, 
and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I love this story. It's kind of peculiar, right? So, there's a lot of Pharisees that hate Jesus. And then we have this Nicodemus character who is very curious about him and yet also scared because he meets Jesus at night. He's the original Nick at night, hashtag dad joke. But anyways, Nicodemus meets Jesus to ask him some questions and get to know him more. I find it interesting too that in verse two, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. I'm curious to know, are there many other Pharisees that believe but are scared to say this? Is he just throwing himself in with the masses because he's afraid to be alone? I don't know. Either way, he honors Jesus and sees that he is from God. But then quickly the conversation turns into this born again situation. It's rather possible that Jesus is again confronting the mindset of the Pharisees, saying that one cannot really be from God just by human efforts. Flesh gives birth to flesh, verse 6, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. To truly be born of God, to be transformed by God, is not something that we can do on our own effort. This brings up another theme that we often see, one of my favorite and least favorite, the concept of humility. We cannot do this without God. We cannot be Christians without Him. We cannot be sanctified without Him. We cannot be born again without Him. This has nothing to do with reading the Bible back, front and back, and knowing all the laws and doing everything that we think God is saying. This requires a humble heart that says, Lord, I am insufficient. I can't do this. I need you to make me born again. I need you to fill me with your spirit and show me your ways and lead me. I submit to you. Jesus then references an Old Testament prophecy and image of Israel being in the desert. They were rebelling against God. God sent snakes to bite them. And if they would then look at a snake made of bronze that Moses built and lifted up on a pole, if they looked at that snake, they would be healed. If they refused to look at the snake, they would not be healed. The story is both in one sense fascinating, confusing, maybe scary. Uh, You have a a a real threat, snakes, which is then utterly neutralized by a simple act of faith. Still probably painful. Um, And so you could be like, well, why is God doing that? And we can explore that on another day when we explore that passage in the Bible. Life represents, in one level, being in the desert. There's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of pain. We may not have literal snake bites, most of us but things that hurt us and harm us along the way. And if we are looking to the sun who is lifted up, ultimately all of that pain, all of the hurt, all of the disappointment, failure, everything will be taken away. So basically, so simply, and not on our own effort, but by the effort of the sun. The story represents massive disobedience on the Israelites' part. And yet God is so faithful and so kind 
that even though they are incredibly disrespectful and hateful and angry at Yahweh, at God, he gives them such a simple solution and easy out to be cured and to be healed. And yet we still have this same dynamic going on today where our sin is death to us, both in daily living and then in an ultimate sense. And the solution is so simple to look to Jesus. Then we have one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son. Verse 17, often overlooked, for God does not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Again, this is where I'm thankful I'm doing this podcast and doing this with you. I've read this passage so many times, and for whatever reason, this time I realized this is all in the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. And so it's good to recognize the context. This is between him and a Pharisee who's curious about him. He's revealing these truths. It's beautiful. And then Jesus goes back to his the theme that we saw earlier in John Uh, Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And this should be humbling as Christians, lest we think that we are immune to darkness. That's a recipe for disaster, for blindness. And ultimately, acting just like the Pharisees did, and then in our day and age, be agents who are pushing people away from Christ, because of our hypocrisy, because we're denying the freedom in Christ that we can own our struggles and our sin because it no longer defines us and we can meaningfully apologize for when we've hurt people and take ownership of our wrongs. Lest we be deceived as Christians that we too still struggle with light and dark and that we can be tempted to hide our deeds and cover them up because of shame, because of pride, because of all kinds of reasons. And real healing comes from talking about them honestly with ourselves, with others, and with God. After part one, we go to verses 22 through 36. John the Baptist is standing out to me more than he has in other readings of these texts. I'm enjoying and delighting in his servant heart. I want to be more like John the Baptist. If I'm honest and truthful, so much of my life, I've tried to make a name for myself. I've wanted respect. I've looked for my identity to be in what I accomplish, in what I do, in being a valuable asset, in being intelligent, whatever it is. And again, I'll put myself in the vulnerability seat. I remember when I led a Bible study And if people didn't show up, I was really insecure. Or if people mentioned other ministries, I was really insecure because I, yes, on one hand, was probably trying to actually serve God, but I was also doing something to give me purpose. It was from a selfish ambition instead of a heart of true service and care from my brothers and sisters. Do you do this? I mean, we all do it. I encourage you to explore your heart and see how you find your identity in things that you do and what you accomplish, even your spirituality, and how that might be affecting your life. We see John the Baptist, one of the most significant prophets in one sense, his role was to make the way for Jesus. I can't even comprehend that. And yet he's so humble. His disciples come to him and say, hey, 
that other guy that you've been talking about, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. And the human reaction would be like, oh my gosh, like I'm losing my ministry. I'm not as important. Oh, we're, you know, think about how many churches would be disappointed and frustrated and turn to horribly wicked actions or statements if they were losing so much of their congregation instead of saying, hey, if people need to go there and it's good for them, that's awesome. As long as Jesus is being glorified, that's awesome. That's the mindset that we should have. It's so difficult. But John says, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify, I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Oh, Heavenly Father, please help us have that mindset of John the Baptist where we become less and Jesus becomes greater. Help us stop fighting over whose church or whose ministry is better or more popular or whatever. It None of that matters. All that matters is your son being seen as great and glorified. Please help us be more unified and of one heart and spirit to glorify Christ and may false teachers and prophets be seen and evident by how they respond when their ministry decreases. It pains my heart to share yet again from the counseling office of stories I hear that people leave the faith because of us, because of Christians, because how we hate one another. We hate one another, our brothers and sisters, let alone the world. And so not with judgment or shame I say this, but again from my own personal conviction and sadness of hearing so many stories where people are not rejecting God because of who he is or even necessarily the radical claims, but because of people like me who say, I'm a Christian and I'm very judgmental, I'm very stuck up, I'm not humble, and I don't just own my mistakes, but I try to defend myself or minimize pain I've caused. Because if I'm honest, that's what took me so long to become a Christian as well seeing so much hypocrisy, seeing certain things valued, whether politically or within just Christian circles of like, oh, well, um, you know, it's okay to judge people or gossip, but it's not okay to dress differently or talk differently or look differently. Or the classic, you know, pastor harping on homosexuality when like 70% of his congregation is addicted to pornography or cheating on their spouses and getting divorced. We seem to have a bad track record of instead of realizing the whole human picture is broken, we find certain things to magnify and point out instead of recognizing that the law actually puts us all in silence. The law convicts us all of moral failure and not to a place of shame or, or cowering, but a place of humble submission to realizing, oh man, like we're, we're all in this together. We're all equally in need of Jesus. Like this is again, one of my favorite parts of Christianity that when we look at it truthfully and accurately, it is the most equitable ideology and religion on the face of the earth because no human being is better than another. No human being is more significant 
all human beings are equally in need of Jesus. Well, this concludes our episode for today. Check back for new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear something you've learned or want to learn more about. You can share comments and continue the conversation on social media. Links are provided in the description. You may be wondering, hey, Brian, we're supposedly reading through the New Testament in five months, but you only cover 40 verses every other day. How is that possible? You, my friend, are observant. The short answer is we are building towards more content daily, but I also need your help. Liking, sharing, telling your friends are all very helpful. And the most helpful thing you can do is to become a supporter for as little as $4 a month. Thanks again for listening. I can't wait to dive into more life-giving scriptures with you.